Welcome to FYI, the Public Libraries Podcast. I'm Kathleen Hughes, Manager of Publications for the Public Library Association. Our guest today is Jean Badalamenti, the Health and Human Services Assistant Manager at the Washington, D.C. Public Library. In her role with the library, she leads system-wide initiatives in a variety of areas. Since 2014, she has been developing programs, creating partnerships, and training DCPL staff to support customers experiencing homelessness. Jean also manages DCPL's library at the DC Jail in partnership with the DC Department of Corrections, and she coordinates system-wide initiatives to address the needs of adults with developmental disabilities. Jean's most recent project has been developing and coordinating a skill-building program to equip DCPL staff with dialogue facilitation skills that support the public library as a center for civic engagement and community dialogue. Jean has a master's degree in social work from Howard University and has worked in health and human services in D.C. for over 25 years. Welcome, Jean. Thank you. Happy to be here, Kathleen. To start, why don't you tell us about the D.C. Public Library's social worker program? Uh, I was really brought on to address the needs of people experiencing homelessness in our library system. But pretty quickly, the public library got funding to begin to provide service to inmates at the D.C. jail. And so I took on that program as well. And sort of over the past four years, Things have just expanded into other areas in terms of working with people doing some direct service work. What we have is a peer outreach program. I work in our service design and engagement division and really work system-wide as the social only social worker here at DCPL. I've never really done uh, direct service work for people. It's more how are we going to strategize and leverage partners in the community to help support people in our branches with who have life challenges, whether it be homelessness, mental illness, as we said, you know, if there are adults with the developmental disabilities who need our services, how does that look? And are you still the only social worker? I am the only social worker. So then you spend a lot of time training library staff? We have a couple of trainings. One is kind of a homelessness 101 training. Uh, and I partner with a couple of people in the community to provide that to our staff so that people can understand the causes and solutions of homelessness. I've brought in uh, a gentleman to tell his story of homelessness as part of that training, which has been really profound for people. He tells his story of his life before he was homeless, then while he was homeless, and how his life has changed now that he's got housing. And it really puts a personal face on the issue of homelessness for staff. And then I also developed a mental health kind of 101 training as well for staff, along with another partner in the community, one of the largest mental health providers in the community. Um, It's a pretty broad training that focuses on uh, a variety of mental health issues, escalation and de-escalation, understanding trauma, and trying to really bring the experience that librarians have into the training as well. And then we also just have launched this year kind of a library safety training, uh, which also addresses identifying what's a crisis, what's not a crisis, and doing some crisis intervention work and bystander intervention work as well. How are the trainings received? I just did a mental health training 
last week for about 30 staff members. And I hadn't done a training in about a year. We use scenarios that were given to me by library staff about things, specific things that are common that happen in the library. And we use those vignettes as a place to begin a conversation about how we might talk with and serve people with mental illness. And I try to use the, the resources in the room because I think a lot of people, um, although some of the staff might be new, ha- having worked in the library, even if it's for you know, six months, they've already had to co- come in contact with people um, with mental illness. And so they bring to that conversation experience, and some have done a wonderful job. We try to talk about ways to communicate with people who are maybe experiencing mental illness and what that looks like and the importance of that. And I found that at this last training, people really got it. I felt like they were sort of more advanced in understanding mental illness and understanding people being frightened by people with mental illness just wasn't there. So over the years, I think sort of we have a... Our library system, people have a more awareness of mental illness and a better understanding generally, which is great. Can you talk a little bit more about the components of your mental health training? I start by talking a little bit about stigma and trauma and how people, people with mental illness oftentimes have experienced severe trauma or ongoing trauma throughout their lives and their mental illness um, could be a manifestation of that trauma. And uh, I also talk about resiliency. I use this example of a gentleman that my partner who co-leads the training, how he was experiencing homelessness, lived on one side of the city, and every single day he would walk across the city to go to her office to take his medication. That's an example of resiliency. He's since gotten housed and all of that. And because as I think that's important that people understand that um, even people with severe mental illness are also very resilient people. We talk a little bit about the um, homeless services system in the city and also about the mental health system in the city. And so people understand that it's kind of this web of organizations, everything from government agencies to nonprofit organizations. We go through, Allison, my co-facilitator, talks about different types of mental illness and um, kind of explains those to people on a very broad level. And then we talk about some of these vignettes in groups, discuss and, and then share out with the entire group and then talk about escalation, you know, when people are in crisis and how to de-escalate situations versus escalating them and talk about some other resources in the community and then do a little bit of uh, role-playing as well. What are some strategies librarians can use for de-escalating situations when customers may be experiencing a mental health crisis? I think, first of all, it's important to identify if there really is a crisis 
oftentimes people are just uncomfortable with the way someone is acting or communicating, and it may in fact not be a crisis. So it's important to sort of step back for a minute and think about, is this really a crisis? And in fact, in the library safety training that we do, we talk about, is this making you uncomfortable or is this a crisis and how to sort of identify some of those things. It's important that you really, in, in if someone is in a crisis, you want to try to build rapport with them. They're in a crisis because they're feeling unsafe. Maybe something has happened. They're re-traumatized. So to try to build some trust and rapport with them and to really ground yourself in knowing about whether, you know, what your triggers are and what's going to make you feel uncomfortable as someone that's trying to de-escalate a situation. You know, it's always important that you want to speak in a calm voice and to be aware of that you're at eye level with someone. You're not over them or under them. You really want to make that eye connection with someone. And you also want to put a little space between you and someone else to empathize with them, make it clear to them that you're understanding what they're saying and that you're here to assist them if you can. I also think it's really important to know about the resources you have for extra support. If this patron is, let's say, a regular that you might know, and you know that that person um, has a particularly good relationship with another staff member, that you could call on that staff member to help de-escalate. That's an important thing to be aware of. You don't want to argue with someone that's not going to help de-escalate the situation. In fact, it is. And you don't want to talk over someone. You want to listen to them, hear what they have to say, and try to bring it to a, a discussion point. Uh, and you certainly don't want to turn your back on someone and walk away. I also think it's important to know what your resources in the community are. Here in D.C., we have mobile crisis so that if someone is um, having a mental health crisis, you can call a mobile crisis, which is part of our Department of Behavioral Health, and um, they have people who come out and will work with someone and make a decision about whether or not they need to be committed to the hospital or not. We also have our own police force, and four of uh, those folks have been certified in um, crisis, they're certified crisis intervention officers. So they've gone through a training with the Department of Behavioral Health to know how to work with people in particular who are experiencing a mental health crisis, as does our Metropolitan Police Department. Getting back to persons experiencing homelessness, in your opinion, what do listeners need to understand about providing service to this group? I think it's important that people remember that this is not a homogenous group of people. People who are experiencing homelessness are individuals they have come, become homeless for a variety of reasons. Some are veterans who are struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder, people who have been working people, lost jobs, can't pay rent, and are evicted, um, people who have experienced hurricanes, fires, a major crisis like that, and people with mental illness, 
people with drug addiction. It's a whole variety of reasons people have become homeless, and it's important that we treat people as individuals. I really think that the only thread running through homelessness is that people don't have a place to live. If we can come from that framework, I think we're able to work with people and provide them service in a much more person, what we in the social work field call a person-centered way. I also think it's important to know that the longer someone is experiencing homelessness, the harder it is to move out of homelessness. And so I think people sometimes get frustrated because they keep seeing the same people over and over and over again. And it's important to know that I also think that the homeless services system, there are many resources in the community that people can access, but it is a very complicated system to negotiate and to know that you have to travel all over the city to just get one thing done and is it at the right time. I think it's important that people have um, an understanding of what it means to be homeless and what it takes to get out of it and how you can be supportive by knowing resources in the community and having as much information about those resources as possible. You also manage the D.C. Public Library's jail service program. We have actually a library branch at our jail, and I manage the staff at the branch. We have a partnership with the Department of Corrections because we're using their space, and I manage that partnership. We have three staff, a librarian, a library associate, and a part-time library technician who work at the jail. We provide three different types of book service. We provide a mobile library book service for one part of the jail, and that involves one of the staff people taking a cart from housing unit to housing unit where inmates can browse the book cart, ask questions, and check out material and that they receive service once a week. On the other half of our unit, of, our, of the jail, we also have a walk-in library, really a big, beautiful space, um, bookshelves, just like a regular library. People can come in and sit and choose a book and check it out. Each unit comes down once a week to access services. And then we also provide library service to status units. Those are units where inmates aren't allowed to leave their housing area. And we provide a checkout slip or request slip service where they can request a genre of book or a specific book or a certain author, and then we'll deliver it directly to the housing unit. We also do programming at the jail. We have author talks a books-to-movie club. We launched a People in Stories program. For eight sessions, a group will read short stories and then have discussions. We have summer reading um, at the jail as well. So it's really a full-service program. Can you talk a little bit about that? Tell us why this was needed and what it consists of. Public libraries are definitely seen as centers of civic life and communities. After the 2016 election, we held a large program on Islamophobia. A community member heard about it and came and was really excited about it. And she does international peace building work and uses a facilitated dialogue model 
where people come together over a series of meetings and talk about a specific issue. People bring their own experience. They bring their own ideas, and it's a way to listen and understand why people might feel a certain way about an issue. And she was thinking that this Islamophobia program really was sort of a good jumping-off point for hosting facilitated dialogues on community issues in the public library. We were really excited about it and thought instead of her leading these community dialogues, that it would be wonderful to train staff to be able to hold these. They know so much about the communities where their branches are located. They know the patrons. This community member trained about 16 staff to host these community dialogues that we can continue hosting, you know, on different topics at our different branches throughout the system. Some of the skill building is also really great um, for some other programs that we host here at the library, one of which is something called Coffee and Conversation. It's really targeted to people experiencing homelessness, and um, it happens at several of our branches throughout our system. Every couple of weeks or every month, we invite people just to come in for a snack, some coffee, have some conversation, really to sort of help with social isolation. You know, a lot of people experiencing homelessness, folks don't rarely talk, you know, just rarely talk to them. So this is a way to kind of facilitate some community and using these skills that people learned in the dialogue facilitation program, we think will really help sort of get deeper and help with our staff in listening, understanding, uh, and bringing some understanding to the whole group. Topics that we took on in these facilitated dialogues, we had the topic on what does it mean to be a Washingtonian, which was went over really well at some of the branches who did that. D.C., like many big urban areas, is really a gentrifying city, and a lot of new people are moving in. So it was an opportunity to bring newer residents and longtime residents together to talk about how they see themselves within the changing city of Washington, D.C. So that's just an example of some of the topics. Is there any last thoughts you want to share with our library listeners? One thing we do here that I just am really excited about, when I started, I was looking for partners to help support people experiencing homelessness in our public library. And I created a couple of partnerships, but nothing that I that was really substantive. It took a while, and finally, I partnered with our agency, the Department of Behavioral Health, which is the agency responsible for mental health services in the city. Through them, and with funding from a federal grant they receive from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, we were able to hire three certified peer outreach specialist who have been trained through the Department of Behavioral Health to connect with people at 11 of our library branches who are experiencing homelessness or at risk of homelessness or just experiencing life challenges, um, to connect them to services in the community, including housing, mental health services, substance abuse services, 
food, clothing, especially helping people get identifying documents like birth certificates, social security cards, and IDs, state IDs. We have three peers who have been working not quite a year doing outreach at 11 of our branches. These are folks with lived experience of homelessness who themselves have been incarcerated, are in recovery, and really provide some great support to people who are, who are in our branches. What they bring to this work is their own story, and being able to share that story and know what someone is going through and how hard it is to move out of homelessness, to access resources. The peers are able to walk with someone through this whole process. Thank you very much for joining us today, Jean. That was a lot of great information. Jean is also a member of PLA's Library Social Worker Task Force. So watch www.pla.org for updates. Mm-hmm.